It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25 plus years in the automotive industry with 10 plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Business Cars and Cigars. And we are kicking off a whole new episode again. We're finally back doing some live episodes. And let's get a few things out of the way real quick. Of course, our sponsor, Feed Nova Cigars. Be sure and check them out if you want an awesome cigar. Oliver has some amazing stuff over there. So VNovaCigars.com, you can now order online. So get them. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And, of course, the car shop here in St. Louis. If you need something in the audio side for your vehicle, definitely have the uh, the thing to get you taken care of. And please like, share, leave us a five-star review, everything for the show, because we want to uh, help grow this and get this information out to everybody. All that being said, I try to get through that stuff quick because I hate all that bullshit myself. But, and don't get me wrong, I, I like to support the people, but I also hate the ads at the beginning <laughs> or the end or wherever it may be. But we have an awesome guest here today, a guy I... Uh, Truly admire. He's uh does all sorts of cool shit. I don't, I don't know what all to say, uh, to be honest with you. Callie, Mr. Callie Keen is here with us today, and I'm going to let him introduce and kind of explain himself and all the different things he does. He's a very smart man and uh, somebody you should definitely uh, check out and um, keep up with after after listening to this episode. So, Callie, how you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks, brother. Yeah. Brandon, you're one of the select few people that I really have to thank Clubhouse for getting to meet and know. <laughs> and I'm talking to thousands of people. It's you, Thomas, maybe Zach, and a few other people. Yeah. Of course, we're we're in a couple of groups together. So we, we've been able to keep in contact, which is great. But yeah, I, I was gonna bring up the Clubhouse thing that we <laughs> 2020 was 2020 and up to the date has been shit show after shit show it seems like at least for main, yeah. mainly everything and there's a lot of good things that's come out of that i mean figuring out clubhouse of being stuck back in the corner hit the shop and whatever and just jumping on every morning and walking around talking with you guys and you're you're definitely i think one of if not the only well maybe one or two people that i actually still talk to yeah i got it yeah, let me tell you, you and the audience, uh, who am I? What am I up to? That kind of fun, Absolutely. fun jazz. So, uh, Callie Keen, if you had to kind of give a broad overview of what I do, I design stuff, I make stuff, I sell things. Um, I've done all kinds of odd bits. I've made um, the world's most expensive fidget spinner. Did yep. that in collaboration with my friend who's a CNC sculptor. But I really did that as a demo to show people like, hey, you can make wild shit, you can make something really cool. Let me show you how to launch an e-com brand. And I've worked with a lot of e-com brands and owners and people on the commercial side, kind of just showing them what I've figured out over the last 15 years as a product developer and what right. I've done with my family for forever, literally my entire life for, I think, 28 years professionally, which is just make things uh you know what i've learned in that world which i specialize in defense electronics so i've designed all kinds of products but what i do day to day right. and i'll get into that a little bit is i i 
design technical things and I sell them. But uh, a lot of what you'll see me doing online is then taking that experience. And I had a whole podcast called End Hype where I wanted to show people you know, for free, hey, here's how you do this. Or you might see me speaking at a trade show or an event and talking about doing that or what have you. But at the end of the day, I design things, uh, hopefully things that people want to buy. And I actually make them. I'm sitting in a 30,000 square foot manufacturing facility right now. Uh, we're located in Northern Virginia. You can see this if you're watching the video, K-Form. That's our family business. That's kind of long and short of it. I get into all kinds of interesting things. I work with the Department of Energy and Climate Tech, technical products. I run startup accelerators. Uh, I do a lot of consulting for larger companies. I've developed products and sold to Google, Amazon, Apple, Oracle, you know, any aerospace or prime company that you want to mention or DOD three-letter agency type uh, company, they hire me as a consultant to, to develop products, but get into all kinds of wild things. But again, Brandon, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, man, uh, I grew up making shit, right? And and Which is uh, so cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it is cool. Uh, so I get to combine the two things that I like, which is nerd stuff, right? Problem right. solving, technology, and my other passion, which is making stuff. And so anytime you see those two things kind of combine, I'm probably getting uh, my hands dirty doing that. Yeah. And you guys, from your family business, I know mm -hmm. this from talking with you and other calls and things we've been on, you guys do a, a lot of real manufacturing and stuff there, but yeah. you've really taken that and expanded it beyond what the family was doing to start with, right? Yeah, I mean, we've roughly tripled the size of the business. So we're kind of changing through those business models because my grandfather graduated, at, like he he exited the Navy as a um, as a chief, what do they call it? Uh, medalist or a, a, essentially a chief machinist is what they would call it now. Okay. And uh, so he went into the manufacturing industry then and then had started a few companies. But K-Form, and we were called Circle K at the time, we were just a small machine shop. So have some manual mills and we had some CNCs and then kind of graduated from there. And then we went over what we call contract manufacturing, where you somebody would say, hey, I want you know 200 of these over the next six months and would be multiple different things that went together, a little bit more complex, larger jobs. And then where I really moved away from making things was when our engineer left and we needed somebody to reverse engineer products because we, uh, you know, like say there's like this thing, right? So this is something that design, it's a little chassis for a computer. Uh -huh. But I got into product design, very simple stuff. And that's how we got work is because somebody could walk in and say, hey, I want 10 more of these, measure it, draw it and go make it. And because I could do all those things, we started getting more of that work and then started to make things that are more complicated but today we do a clean sheet design. So basically somebody comes in, we literally sit down with a piece of paper, write down what the thing's supposed to do, any ideas that they have, they send me any information that they have and we design it, prototype it, do all the engineering. We do all the production, we do all the testing. We have in-house software engineer. We have a mechatronics engineer, which is kind of a mechanical and electrical engineer. Once we have a, Pretty much, if you look at a computer, anything that you see with your eyes, like we can make that. We that's what we do. 
And then we work with like a huge network of other providers. So we can get things made nationally. We can get things made internationally. We have a pretty, pretty, I'd say good bullpen of other capabilities to make complicated, yeah, complicated products. Yeah. I, and I keep telling you every time I talk to you, I'm excited to come to Virginia and come check out this place because it's yeah, it would be like my heaven. I'd, I'd want, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how anything works, but I figured out how to like engrave something with my laser. That's, you know, I'm like very rudimentary on some of that. But yeah, all what you guys do there is it blows my mind. It's it's always so cool when post some of that or whatever. Yeah. I, I know that people listen to say, my old podcast or my podcast, your, your podcast, and they, they want to start a business and they see all of those pieces. And it's easy to look at, say, what we do now versus what, what we did three years ago or 10 years ago mm-hmm. and, and be like, oh, I need all of these things to get started. But to be honest with you, like we're in a growth mode right now, right? And which is expensive. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest, like there's people that have just a machine shop, they have what our machining department has, that's their entire business. They probably take home more money than I do right now because with that, they have three or four employees. We've got 26 production employees right now. They have a 3,000 or 4,000 square foot building. We have a 30,000 square foot building in another facility down the street, right? All their equipment's paid off. I keep buying more damn equipment. <laughs> so at the end, it's uh, you got to really look at this as, you know, what are you trying to do, right? And like, yeah. what's the end yeah. game? Yeah, yeah. What's the end game? We just have a different end game. Oh, what we're trying to do? We're we're not trying to be a machine shop, but to be all and honest, like, you know, I have friends. They have six machines, two employees, and they probably take home over two hundred k a year, just personal. So I mean, yeah. it's pretty nice little business to have. Oh yeah. And you've taken a lot of this product development and different things and moved it over into the other stuff you're doing with like showing people how to launch and products and different things like that a lot. So I'd like to get into that a little bit with you if that's cool. Do it. Yeah. Cause you've helped, I mean, just recently you helped Zach launch his, you know, shirt brand and everything. You really have a very good hand knowing how to market that and get it started and get it going and everything so if uh without giving away the bank so to speak but what do you uh, what do you got I, for that i mean i don't keep any secrets so I'll, you can well i know anything. that but some, <laughs> but, pe- some people do so i try to try to word it correctly but i mean the people of people have built million dollar businesses off of listening to old episodes of that night so i i really i you know the the promise stands is if if somebody has a question I'm going to answer it or I'm going to bring somebody to the table who can answer that question because I don't think that information has value. I think implementation has value, right? We, we all oh, know, I love that. We all know how to have a six pack, right? But less, there's less people <laughs> that have a six pack than have a, a million dollars in the bank, right? Well, it's, true. it's easier Very to true. be a millionaire than to have a six pack. Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Me too, man. <laughs> so, so like, look, the way that I launch products and decide what to pursue has a commonality is this is I want to find somebody who's willing to write a check. I want to find, and that could be a persona of a person, like a type of person. I go out and talk to people and right. if I know, okay, well, I have access to this group of people. And the reason that the fidget spinner work is one is 
I know lots of machinists, right? And yeah. a lot and machinists love EDC. They love the EDC community. So that's knives. That's like the man jewelry, the little dog tags, all, all the kind of stuff that's behind me. Right. And so like, yeah. I know that community because like, I have guys that are in that community. I'm in that community. Right. So I knew yeah. those people already. And I, and I saw this behavior is that they were buying little, Oh, well, I mean, here's, here's something like a little, they're buying little fidgets and they're paying hundreds of dollars for them. And I thought, okay, well, that's, that's great. Like, what can I make and how can I be different and really high value? And how can I, with a new brand gain trust? And so I can enter this market. Well, I can show them the facility. That's one thing. So I'm not like buying this from China or some shit, right. but how can I really put this out there? And so by partnering with my friend, you can see some, some of his blueprints there, Yep. Uh, you know, right. Uh, Chris Bathgate, we were able to make something very original, but the point of this is I go out and I try to find a person who's, they're already spending money to scratch that itch, to solve that problem, to make them feel good, to make them feel like they belong, right? People, they're writing checks. They're not right. saying, Hey, that, that, that sounds cool, Brandon. Yeah. That sounds like a good idea. I look for people who are already actively, they're searching for the solution. Okay. And then I don't have to tell them what I'm working on. I just want to engage them so I can get the user story. What's the story of like, why are they buying this? How does it make them feel? What problem are they trying to solve? What is their life going to look like after they have uh, done this thing, purchased this thing or implemented this program or, you know, whatever, what's on the other side of that purchase? What's their ideal dream of outcome? And if I can attach the emotion to that, if I can attach the story to that, I know like how to build the thing. And believe it or not, this is exactly how technical products work. We build these user stories and I'm like, I need to know the problem that I'm solving and I need to be an expert at that problem. If I'm going to build something really cool, dude, I don't get to say something's cool, right? Other people get to say something is cool. Yes, it's a subjective absolutely. experience. My, like my taste what I think is innovative or looks good or whatever. Well, that's a market of one. Okay. Great right. place to start. Get inspired. But, market of one is get inspired, but really bad place to keep your business because like you need more than yourself as a customer. That's called a hobby. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so the thing is like, go out and I try to find those people and I'm like the, so the, for people that are in my accelerator, Brandon, I'd be like this. Okay, who's your customer? They'll swear that it's a person. I say, okay, show me your phone right now. Show me 10 people that match that description that's in your phone. And they're like, I don't know anybody that's like that. I'm like, how do you know if that's your customer? If you've never met, you don't even know somebody that matches that description. How do you know that that person wants to buy your shit? And they're like, oh yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. You know? I ain't gonna lie. That is so simple. But yeah, so complex that, I mean, that's just it's, something people don't think about, but it's really true. Yeah. And if they don't have those 10 people, uh, and maybe they do have those 10 people, I say, hey, go out and talk to them. Here's the script to go talk to them and figure out what they want. But if you don't figure out, well, how are you going to get those 10 people? How are you going to get them to trust your brand that you're about to launch? And the, the answer is like, you can't just launch a brand and then instantly be trusted. So that's why we work with somebody like, Chris or in the technical products, I might work with like Boeing or some, somebody like that. Right. Right. And so it's not about 
getting thousands of customers is getting the one relationship that then has access to all those customers. So I just really need to sell that to that one initial connector. And if they agree on it, they see that it's going to build their brand, it's going to uh, make them money, then they happily then go take it and sell it to all those other people. That, that's how I do it, right? right? So I use a business development approach. We make higher margins like that. And then once we make some money, then we go and say, okay, now let's sell directly to customers. Cause it's very expensive and like tactical, right? Like Brandon, if you wanted to sell a hundred dollar thing to a thousand people, like it's a hundred thousand bucks. Awesome. Right. Yeah. When are you going to talk to these thousand people? You Good know, point. I mean, what, when are you I don't have do time it? to talk to a thousand people all the time. Yeah. And like, you probably don't have the money to pay for all the ads for that either. Oh, no. Right. So it's like, man, but if you can just show somebody that they make 20 or $30 uh, selling it to their existing customers, so their email list, or that they start to carry it like a distributor would or a value added reseller would. So B2B sales, we can get those thousand customers like, and we only pay once we get money. <laughs> somebody pays you a hundred bucks and you pay somebody commission. So yeah. money on the back end, not money on the front end. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've heard you say, talk about this before is even developing a product and whatever, and making sure you have a market for it before you even build it. Yeah, I mean, like have everything know you want, you have that customer and make sure that they're ready, which is pretty much what you're saying right here. Um, before you ever put all the effort in, I mean, yeah, I come up with this cool idea or whatever. And I think everybody's going to love it. Well, if I throw a ton of money at it, and then it doesn't sell. What am I stuck with? <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Like everybody's got ideas. And this is the thing is like, I've seen, I mean, let's take fidget spinners, for example. Yep. That's a horrible idea. It's stupid. <laughs> it's also sold billion dollars worth of fidget spinners. Right. So oh, yeah. like the difference between a good business idea and like a smart idea or what people think is like a great idea, pretty big gap in between these. And like, and so it's, it's very hard to be right without actually getting in front of somebody and them telling you that you're right. Cause you're just in your own head. You, I'll say like, this is like, if you don't get more data than just talking to yourself or your friends or your, 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 your mom's going to be like, great job. Oh yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you don't get more data, like you're going to build a suboptimal product regardless, like it will never be as good as it possibly could be if you went out and talked to people and like, I'm making things that are, I can't even, I wouldn't even put it really like on our site, but it ba basically it's defense electronics. So it's, it's specialty yeah. comms and communications gear. So it's special types of uh, wireless networks for, for people in special forces. And you think, okay, well, that's also a very hard market to break into. When we want to develop a new product, I make a one page document that has all the features on it that I want. And it has a 3D rendering of it, slick sheet. And like, then we send it to people or we go to a trade show and we talk to people. And then they tell me like why it's a horrible idea, why it would be, it would not be needed, what features it would need to be better, uh, what they would want to do with it. And then I write all that information down. I change the slick sheet and I do it again. And I can guarantee you after 10 of those conversations, I'm going to have the most badass product on the market. And I'm able to go back to any one of those people I talked to and said, Hey, you know, we really thought about what you said. 
And this is what we want to do now. And they're like, great. Then they, in, in this market, at least, they'll invite us to demos, or we can send a demo kit to them, or I can then show them one that I 3D print even. 3D right. print it, or I can send them like a, de a developer's kit that's not even the full product, and they can, they can try it. And then they'll be like, okay, let me buy a thousand of these. So like, bear in mind, like talking about like a, this is a very slow, but very expensive sales process. So you're saying, well, like, sure. yeah. do you, you want to land a $6 million sale? Like that's what that looks like. And uh, everybody doesn't, they don't want to do that. They want to look perfect when they go in front of the customer. They want somebody to say, yeah, I'll just, I'll buy that right away. And I'm like, you would never be able to land that, that contract like that. And, and there's no reason why commercial products, like we've done hair tools, camping gear. I've done clothing with people. Like you mentioned uh, with Zach, I've done really specialty apparel products. We've done health products, medical products, solar. And in every one of these cases that we use the same method is basically pulling together some initial information. First, we go talk to people about whatever their problem is. What are they trying to do? Then we follow up with them with a very minimal set of information. They inform us about how to make that product better. We look at patterns about it. Okay. So if 10 people tell me how it would be, it would be better. Now I will warn you that I'm a hundred percent with Henry Ford and Steve Jobs like this is like, people are very bad at predicting what they would buy. Okay. Yeah. Like Henry Ford said, like, if I, if I listen to everybody, I just have a faster horse and Founders tell me this shit all the time. And yep. I'm like, okay, well, I've developed hundreds of products and brought them to market. So like once you develop a tenth of the products that I have, like then you can tell me how to do it. But for right now, just try it my way. Okay. I think I have a statistical advantage on you. But people are really bad. They'll say, like, yeah, Brandon, if this existed, I'd buy it. I'm like, great. If that's the case, do you want to reserve a reserve one for a dollar, five dollars, fifty dollars? But people are really bad at predicting their behavior. That's again, that's why people don't have six packs, really yeah. bad at following through and predicting their behavior, but they're really good at complaining. So like if you ask somebody to describe a problem that they have and they tell you this story, dude, all I have to do is be the master of the problem story. And people are really, really good at describing problems in their life that they're experiencing with a high degree of pain. Okay. Yes. And so I don't care what product they think that would solve that thing, really. But if I hear the same information over and over again, like it has to do this because of a compliance issue, it has to do this because the other product doesn't. Like I start to look at those patterns and, and we incorporate those features. But more importantly, are they telling me the same story? Like, yeah, I tried to buy this thing. It's always sold out. I'm like, mm, it's always sold out. Mm, I'd like to get in on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I don't know that, I mean, this is like a very broad conversation, but bringing something to market is a process and people wanted to make it into an art where yeah. it's, it's just not, it's it like, it's not, I can give you the steps one through 10 to bring an idea to market. And like, we can do it deliberately. Your idea is going to look a little different when we're done, but it, it's going to happen. But it'll right? get the job done. It'll get the Correctly. job done. You, yeah. And you'll make money and the whole bit. Yeah. You mentioned right there, and I wrote this down real quick. Uh, minimal info is uh, what you give them. 
So mm -hmm. I'm assuming from that, what you're trying to do is you're going to give them as little info as possible and try to get as much information back from them to add into the product to make it happen. Is that, is that, that is, that am is I getting correct. that correct? That is correct. Because so the reason I say that is like, I come across a lot of inventors. I've spoken at USPTO. I write for Stephen Key, who's a licensor that worked with Tim Ferriss and teaching him how to do licensing. He talks to a lot of inventors. So we talk to a lot of inventors. They're almost afraid somebody's going to steal their idea. Kind of a different conversation, but that's like small boy shit for sure. Right. But yeah, we want to have an asymmetric information advantage in this conversation. And the mistake that people make is that they fill the conversation with so much information that the customer is in learning mode, not telling mode. Forget about active listening and all that bullshit. We're not even going to get there because if I give them like some tech brief that's on how every chip works and this bus processor speed and this and that, like all the technical details and all the material and all this other crap, every time I give a piece of information, I close the door to getting information. I want to minimally provoke a conversation where I get what I need out of that. So mainly is like, what would they want it to look like? Or more importantly, what would it need to look like for them to write a check? Which, and this is going back to the sales stuff we were talking about on Clubhouse and everything else. I mean, this is literally, this is, I think how every sale should be approached. Yeah. Shut your mouth a little bit uh, <laughs> sometimes, but um, no, that I, I think that's awesome information because most people just want to, well, let's face it. Most people like to hear themselves talk. So I'm not usually one of those people. You haven't noticed I don't talk too much, but uh, <laughs> no, I think, um, I think that's awesome because you get the information back that you need that really helps you do your job as opposed to you trying to tell them how you're going to maybe make it work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Usually my slick sheets are like, the main selling points. It might say, you know, designed and made in the US. But I'd say like the key features that we're trying to, and then I'll have some potential applications for that product, right? Or what are, what are the highlights that I feel like are going to hook somebody? And like, what questions are they going to have about those highlights? But yeah, initially that think of everything as minimal effective dose. Uh, I want to spend as little time as possible on getting to the next rung of the ladder versus a lot of people, they spend forever developing these products. Like I talked to somebody and they're like three years in because it would be too expensive to hire me. So they're three years in and they're like almost ready to like 3D print their product. I'm like, okay, but I, I like a professional person could just make your product from like the description that you have. And like, if you're afraid <laughs> yeah. your product's gonna get ripped off, you have to move fast because if you have a good idea, people will copy it no matter what. Yeah, or somebody else is going to think about it and yeah. figure it out. I mean, I can't tell you how many ideas I've had, and then all of a sudden I see it somewhere else. I'm like, well, I should have just fucking done that. Just to be honest. So I'm like, I, I totally get that. There's always room at the top, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the bottom is crowded. But if you see an idea and you had an idea and you're like, man, somebody else is doing it, all they're doing is marketing to your customers for you. All you have to do is come in and, and you don't have to be a me too product, but like, it is, it's like a common thing is like, I use an example. It's like up here, I have my friend, uh, Jamie's mini museum. Uh huh. 
there's other people now, there's people that make a periodic table version of his product, or they've tried to rip off his product a bunch of times. And, and like, it's easy to get discouraged, but some of those are, they're very different than his thing. Some of them are very similar. They're clearly trying to go after his market, but he he's created an extremely high-end version of that. And he's been able to protect that IP or, or whatever those sales are mm-hmm. uh, regardless. And so when I see somebody selling something similar, I'm like, great. All I have to do is make something that's different and better, but they're educating. They're making that marketplace. I say competition makes the market. The example of this is like, uh, we both like cars, right? Yeah. When Mercedes was making their first like production car, or even when Ford was making a first affordable production car, there was hundreds of car manufacturers, hundreds. Yep. Right. In, in the, I think in the greater Detroit region, there's like 200 automobile manufacturers, right? And GM, you know, Sloan started sucking them up and turning them into GM and all this. But is the car market now bigger or smaller than it was then? <laughs> it's bigger. Yeah. All markets are like this. Because products exist, they develop their own market. And if there was some new thing other than a car, and it were to come out, it would start displacing that market, but also growing it additionally. Like you think of like drones like this, the first drone companies to market aren't the ones that exist now. There's tons of drones, but like there weren't, there was no market there before at all. It's not like people stopped flying planes. The, The way that we view ideas is like this, is like say zero sum. It's like a Brandon has that idea. I can't have that idea too. I'm like, dude, that's not how that works at all. Like at the end of the day, it could be two different ideas, just similar or one way, shape or form. Yeah. Like it's like, think of anything you, if you buy a camera, like we're talking right now is like, you might need three cameras. If you're a YouTuber, you might need ones for different situations, one for your show, one for on the go, one for your studio. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm literally sitting here thinking I got one up top. I got one on the computer. I got phone. I got GoPros. I got other camera. I like so many different things just to try to do one little thing. Yeah. I, ideas are really great at spawning more ideas. And that's how markets work. Take inspiration from the people that w- when you look at something and say, man, I had that idea. Awesome. That means that idea is probably worth revisiting. That's like the universe telling you, Hey man, I gave you this thing. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you think about it again, right? This person's right. having success with an opportunity that I gave you, right? So why don't you go back and think about, okay, how did they do it? Can you do it too? Can you make a better one or a different one? Or, you know, in your case, is like you can see somebody doing something for like the Jeep market and you could say, I can transport that and make it for just a totally different market, right? And it's the same thing, but for it marketed to a different group of individuals, maybe the aesthetic's a little different, but it's the same, that it's technically a very similar same thing. And you can launch products into infinity like that. That's some powerful stuff to think about. To really look at that from a different perspective that way, for sure. I appreciate your time to come on and share your knowledge and information and just have a chat and all that. Um, I've been... We've been trying to work this out for a while, trying to get you on here, but um, we made it happen. And yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. I am extremely grateful for you to take the time to do this, brother. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And uh, anyway, definitely go check out Kyle Key if you're looking to do some stuff or just want to hear some cool shit. 
or see somebody that builds cool shit because he does that, definitely go check out Cali. I got him pulled up on a friend of mine on Facebook. I got him up here. He's got links to his podcast there as well. I, I know you're on several different places. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. I, I think I've seen you on um, some other socials, but I I'm, know you don't do a whole lot, Yeah, which is okay. No, no worries. But yeah, definitely check it out. Thank you. All right. Thank you, brother. And uh, this will probably be a two episode thing. I don't know. And nobody's going to know it until the end <laughs> of, you know, once they get through the second thing. But hey, gotcha. we had a great time. And um, as always, I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.